I, I think if if we understand sex as intimacy, which is relationship and not an object that we're seeking after, then that completely changes how we approach sex because it is, you know, like what happens in sex is a reflection of the relationship. Welcome to the Babble Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Brees, and I am so happy to have you here for some raw and real conversation. People say you should never discuss politics, money, or religion. Well, not here. This is a safe space to dive deep into how religion as a whole has affected our hearts, our minds, and our world. (laughs) The good, the bad, and the ugly. We all have a seat at the table, and I invite you to sit with me as I talk with religious leaders, experts, and friends alike. So, without further ado, let's babble. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Babel Podcast. We're so happy that you're here, that you're still here with us. If you've been here from the beginning, because this has been going on for many months now, and I'm just grateful if you've stuck around with me since day one. If you are new here, welcome. We're so happy that you're here. So happy that you decided to push play on this episode because it's going to be a doozy um, in just so many amazing ways. I have with me today, again, Talbot Bolter, who is just a sunbeam of light of a human being. And she is uh, really, really dedicated to the work of deconstructing purity culture and our understanding of marriage and what that relationship means uh, within faith and kind of how the church has gone about training people to think a certain way about marriage and then how can we change that so we're going to talk about that today um talbot has a blog called insight unspoken where she dives a little bit deeper into a couple of these topics it's also a place where she puts a ton of incredible resources that she's learned from and that other people can learn from as well so definitely go check out her blog i'll link it down in the show notes and talbot thank you so much for being here with me today thanks for having me Paige. I'm excited to be back. <laughs> yes, so good to have people back. I I I think I say this every time I have someone around for a second time. It's like we had way too much to discuss in the first episode that it's just natural that we should do another one. Like <laughs> Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. So, we're going to talk about marriage today, which is an incredibly Woo-hoo. exciting topic. Yes. Um, I, I, for one, am not married, but I have been in a committed long-term relationship with my partner now for six years. So I feel like in a way I'm kind of married, but we're going to talk about that yeah. um, because Talbot is married uh, to her wonderful husband, who is also a wonderful human being. And um, Talbot has done so much thought and learning and research and deconstruction um about the like the covenant of marriage and the legality of marriage and all of that so first question i have for you talbot is as a person of faith like how does the church define marriage yeah like what from your understanding and how you grew up in it Yeah. So, I mean, the things that I always heard about marriage were that it is a sacred covenant. It's God ordained. Um, Obviously, within Christianity, it's going to be a lifelong monogamous heterosexual relationship. And Mm -hmm. I would say some churches believe that procreation is commanded of marriage. I never grew up with that, but I definitely like heard other people say like, it is my duty as a married person to have kids um, because God said, be fruitful and multiply. And so like, this is what we are supposed to do um, when we are married. And so, and and I heard a lot of um, like marriages shows us what it's like between Christ and the church 
um, you know, referring to Ephesians 5, where, you know, it's like, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Um, and so there's just like a lot of expectations around what marriage is. It's very heightened and um, very spiritualized in a lot of ways. So like, and there's so many like verses that people have used to back that up. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something I heard a lot growing up, like is what you said that marriage is like husband and wife is to Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing that I learned growing up mm-hmm. in the church and that, um, and Ephesians five was a big one too. Like husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, meaning like sacrificially, unconditionally, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. But then women submit to your husbands Mm -hmm. um, as the church kind of like submits to Christ kind of thing. And I always felt like that was a little bit of a contingency or like an unbalanced scale uh, in those teachings. Oh, yeah. Um, I've done a lot of research into what Ephesians 5 means, because I was always like, that's I don't under like, wait, this doesn't quite make sense when I've also heard that marriage is supposed to be mutual and Mm -hmm. like Ephesians also says like submit to one, one another. Um, Mm. And so I was like, wait, so how does, what is is Paul exactly saying? Um, And I can talk about that a bit later, but I also, I guess I grew up also with a um, complementarian approach to marriage. So Mm. complementarianism basically says that there is a hierarchy of relationships. So God is at the very top, husband is next, Mm -hmm. wife is next, and then kids are next. And so like the husband is the head, the wife is not the head, and she follows what the (laughs) husband says um, because, you know, husband is to wife as Christ is to church. And so there is a power imbalance there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I definitely got a lot of those messages growing up too. And I think a lot of people still believe that to some extent, Um, even though we have, Mm -hmm. I would say a lot of Christians have shifted to a more egalitarian understanding of marriage, which is men and women are equal under God. So it's like God Mm -hmm. and then husband and wife you know, as the next year you could say, but that's also, you know, you could get into the philosophy of like, (laughs) like, you know, there's the triangle. I've I've also heard the the triangle thing where it's like, you know, it's husband and wife at the bottom two corners of the triangle. And then God is at the top. And as you move towards God, Mm -hmm. you move closer to each other. Yes. I was going to bring that up too. Um, because that was always the most, that was the most confusing thing for me. Cause I'm an incredibly visual human, like as a learner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I would see the linear, like they'd show me the linear of God, husband, wife, and like, that's how it works. And then I, they'd show me the triangle of mm man and wife as they get closer to God they get closer to one another and so I'm like so which is it are we starting on the same playing field and coming together or are we linear which one is it oh my god <laughs> I was always so confused <laughs> yeah I can see that <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah the church defines marriage I like that you said too it's when we were growing up it was very clear that it's a heterosexual monogamous mm-hmm. commitment um I think that is changing in churches Um, Mm -hmm. a lot. There's a lot more inclusion um, happening there, but yeah, I remember growing up and learning that it was a marriage is between a man and a woman period. Yeah. Like no questions asked. Yeah. Done. Well, and I think, I think the fact that there are so many more conversations around um, like LGBTQ lives and situations it it does bring into question okay so if like what what then does it mean to be married because now that it's legal Mm -hmm. in the united states for um people to get married no matter who they are it does start bringing Mm -hmm. into question okay so if it's not necessarily a man and a woman who are getting married then what what is marriage like it, it does i think bring up more questions about then 
what mm-hmm. constitutes a marriage because the cultural mm-hmm. landscape is changing a lot. And so we have to kind of reevaluate yeah. our assumptions about what marriage is. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. Um, so then I want to ask you personally, like as a person who grew up in the faith, like grew up in a church and heard these things of how marriage was defined, like prior to your like deconstruction and prior to your research that you've done, like, I guess prior to recently or however long it's been, um, how did marriage or how was marriage defined for you? Like what did marriage mean to you going into marriage and all that? Yeah. I, I, I would say that before marriage, I definitely held a lot of those beliefs that I had previously mentioned where it is this very sacred mm-hmm. covenant, it's lifelong, it's heterosexual. And even though I've been like deconstructing my understanding of sexuality and relationships and things. And so I was kind of like, I I don't know if I fully believe that like a Christian marriage, so to speak, can be homosexual. Like I was still questioning that and I'm, you know, I still have a mm-hmm. lot of questions, but I think I, I do now now lean more on the side of like um like heterosexual marriages are not the only like prescribed way that God has um given us. But before mm-hmm. I was married it definitely was like, yeah, I think like it is a covenant and it's lifelong and like Christ should be at the center of our marriage. Um and I, I think it I would I would say that marriage to me was like a special structured relationship. Um mm-hmm. it's different from any other one. There are some expectations put on it by God and by society. And mm-hmm. I mean definitely growing up and you know, growing up watching lots of Disney and just um <laughs> all sorts of like happily ever after movies. I definitely had this mm-hmm. idea that marriage would be a happily ever after it's this kind of I finally achieved something like I've gotten to this life stage and um now I've like reached the peak of like yeah my life almost which you know there's been I did also it. a lot yeah I, I did it um and there you know there are lots of messages that I've also received kind of combating that and being like your entire existence does not exist only within marriage and Singleness yeah. is also a wonderful gift and a wonderful thing. Um, mm. But that was definitely like, I think, still a subconscious message that I have of like, you know, I, I finally, like, I did it. I achieved something. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, because I, growing up, when I was like 15, 16, I was convinced due to like the combination of the romanticizing of marriage and how beautiful and wonderful it is from the church and from rom-coms and Disney and all of that. Like I was convinced that I would be married when I turned 18. Really? Like, like like the year I turned 18, I was getting married because that was what you did. And it was beautiful and it was great. And it was a movie. Like I was convinced (laughs) and I was going to marry like a military man. And like, Oh man, I had this whole like storybook plan of like, he's gonna you know it's gonna be romantic it's gonna be like he's gonna go overseas and I'm gonna miss him and I'm gonna yearn for him and he's gonna come home and we're gonna be those people in the homecoming videos where I run to him and I was I was obsessed with the thought obviously that did not happen um but yeah I I definitely had that playing in my head constantly throughout high school like yes this is gonna be my life wow (laughs) see I had the opposite where I was like I think I don't I won't really like date seriously in college and I'll probably meet someone mm-hmm. after college and get married around age 27. Ha, that's mm-hmm. funny. You know, I met my my husband <laughs> first thing in college and we got married right after we graduated yep. at age 22. Uh, so <laughs> very very different. Like I I did not yeah. expect to be married young. Um not this young mm-hmm. at least. So it was Yeah. So how has that, yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's talk about that. How did marrying young um, 
like impact your your marriage, your life? Was it different than what you expected? Kind of how how did that shift happen for you? Yeah, I mean, definitely different from what I expected. I think one -hmm. thing was we graduated, moved to Dallas, got married and started new Mm -hmm. jobs. So it was first just a lot of transitions all at once, which made it challenging Mm -hmm. for sure. We lived in a studio apartment and we're both introverts. And so like, you know, everything is stressful. We both need to withdraw and like have alone time and we could just not get it. Um, So it was like, it definitely was very difficult starting out just because we did all of the changes at once. Don't necessarily recommend that for everyone, but you know, we got through it Mm -hmm. and now we're like (laughs) in a much better place. Um, Yeah. I think... I would say since we did get married young, we are figuring out who we are together. I think that's what a lot of Mm -hmm. people that I've heard, they don't want to get married young because they want to kind of figure out who they are first and go into a serious relationship knowing who they are first, which I think is also a great Mm -hmm. thing, like being able to explore yourself and get to know yourself well and mature um as a single person I think that is wonderful and definitely mm-hmm. to do if you can um but because yeah. we did get married young we've been kind of growing together which will happen in any serious relationship but you know kind of this early 20s phase that we're in mm-hmm. we're definitely like figuring it out together you know figuring out how to achieve yeah. our passions and how to be emotionally mature together and mm-hmm. um, kind of navigate a lot of those things that you would have to navigate anyway. I think with yeah. marriage, because it is a very intimate relationship, you mm-hmm. are kind of forced to face your flaws and your bad habits and your bad communication methods very immediately <laughs> because it's yes. <laughs> that you're living with and working with and, you know, sharing your mm-hmm. life with. And so we're just, we're just figuring that out now. Um, And I would say, I mean, I can't say for sure, but I think if we had gotten married later, you know, we would have learned some of these things at a slower rate, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is what it is. So it's definitely, Mm -hmm. it's it's definitely been an interesting experience to say the least, but I know I said like marriage, marriage is hard, but it's also really, really beautiful because you do get to learn a lot. You like, you have to learn a lot about yourself so that way you can Mm -hmm. communicate with yourself and like work together. Well, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, again, I'm not in a, I'm not in a marriage, a legal marriage, but I've been with my partner for six years and we started our relationship long distance. Mm-hmm. Our first year and a half was long distance. And so to your point, we knew that if we wanted this to work long-term, we had to figure our shit out immediately. Yeah. <laughs> we had to understand what it meant to compromise. We had to understand what each other's schedules and commitments looked like. We had to understand um, how to communicate. And mm-hmm. that it, and when we were doing long distance, especially for my partner, it was very important to him that I over communicate with him mm. um, because he just, it gave him peace knowing that I was always safe, knowing that I was doing well. Like he just wanted to know because it, it made him feel better that he that he was away from me. Yeah. And I had to learn how to over communicate because that's not something in, in, I call it my past life in my past life that I was really good at um, yeah. was, you know, anytime I like, Anytime I had a free moment to just be like, hey, I'm doing this thing right now. I'm having a coffee. Here's a picture. Boop. You know, like <laughs> something really small like that would make his day. Yeah. And uh, and I had to and I had to learn how to do that when we were doing long distance. And then when I graduated college and he and I moved in together, then we had to learn how to because we had learned how to be really, really good separately Mm -hmm. and then like see each other when we could. Now we had to learn how to be good together and in the same space. Um, to your point, like, because my partner is much more of an introvert than I am. I've become more of an introvert, um, over time for sure. Like I need my space to recharge, Yeah, but he is very much an introvert 
And I, at the time was very much an extrovert, like, let's go do something. Let's hang out. Like, yeah. And he would just have to be like, no, I need to watch TV. <laughs> I need to chill out and recharge. And exactly. then I can have some social yeah. energy for later. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a thing, you know, living together, you have to figure out how to kind of navigate your energy levels and your time and everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. It is. It is so much. Um, but yeah, I, I totally hear what people say as well. The argument that you shouldn't settle down or you shouldn't get married so young because you have your whole twenties to like figure out who you are as a human. But, um, and I hear that and I do experience some of that in my relationship. Cause I started dating Alex when I was, I was 20 technically, but I, I turned 21 a month after. So yeah. I was 21 and I am now, I'll be 27 next month. So like, I'm now 27 and it's just like insanity. Um, yeah. but so my whole twenties have been with him and there are certainly days where I think like, Oh man, like, what if I wasn't in this relationship? Like, what would I be doing? Where would I be? Like, mm-hmm. would I be a different person than I am now? But that, but there's a, a million infinite possibilities. Like you don't, you will never know. So in every day you choose to continue to be with this person. Like that's how I think about it. Yeah. Every day I'm choosing to stick around because I want to, yeah. because I love him. And th- I think about as well, like of all the ways that I've improved as a human with him and mm-hmm. because of him, like, I think he is my person because he has so many traits that are so similar to me, but also the traits that he has that are so different from me were so integral to teaching me how to improve those parts of me that I needed to improve yeah. and vice versa for him. He'll say the same thing. Cause we talk about this all the time. Yeah. Um, so I think it is like, there is something to be said of if you are committed to a person, if they are the right kind of person, it's integral for you as a human to find out who you are yeah. and to figure out the bits of you. Like you said, your bad habits and your, um, the things about your personality that could improve or the things about your thought processes that could improve. Yeah. Um, if you're with the right person, you know, you might not have figured that out as quickly if you weren't with that person. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, I think for people yeah. like marriage um, marriage can be really, really, really beautiful. It can also be really, really, really challenging and, you know, doing it young can be really, really beautiful. And it's also really, really challenging. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, you could argue either way, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So now last time we talked about, um, last time you were on the, uh, the podcast, we talked about sex quite a bit Yeah, and <laughs> I, and I would love to talk about that within this context so like within the context of sex here where does marriage begin and therefore where does the permission to have sex begin because that's a big thing in the church yeah. is sex within marriage so what does that how do, how do you feel about that stuff oh boy um this was something that i questioned pretty much throughout my entire dating and engagement um, mm. because I started asking the questions of, well, first, what is sex? What, where is the line? Because that's always the question that you ask when you're steeped in purity culture of how far can I go? Mm-hmm. Um, which then became, how can I love my partner? Well, it's a very different approach to, yeah. you know, talking about, um, sex and just love, um, and I also started questioning, okay, when when is someone married? Is it the public ceremony that they have? Is it the vows that they make in front of God and other people? Is it their internal commitment to each other? Can that be a private commitment that they speak to each other in front of God? Um, mm-hmm. Is it the legal papers that you sign, like what, what ultimately shifts the relationship into a marriage? Um, and you know, it was like, okay, like I, I don't think I ever really figured out like an answer to it while we were not married. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely say at this point that what makes us 
married, while marriage is, I would say, a social and often legal construct and contract, mm-hmm. um, what makes our relationship and our marriage work is our relationship. Um, like we, I could technically say that we've been married for way longer than two years because I knew from like the moment, like very, very early on in our relationship that I was like, yeah, this is my person. And like, I'm committed to him. And like, we had that framework from the beginning of, okay, things are really hard, but we're committed to each other. So how do we work through this together? Like separating was never really Mm -hmm. an option for us. And so, um, like I could technically say that like we've been married to each other as a form of commitment for, you know, four or five years, um, even though we've right. been legally married for two. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like I assumed that getting married would feel like joining a club, like joining the married people club. Mm-hmm. but <laughs> instead it was more like I've now stepped into a life-changing relational intimacy that is both really hard and beautiful mm-hmm. and it honestly didn't feel that different because I wasn't joining a club I was just professing commitment to this person yeah and that's what changed uh, technically like and we we moved in together um and so like when marriage begins I I don't fully know um I would mm-hmm. say like some questions that I've had are you know what has marriage looked like throughout different cultures and societies you know marriage used to be an exchange of property and a uniting of families and family like financial mm-hmm. forces you know you would cuz women were property and so you would you know basically give your your daughter over to another family and now you mm-hmm. have this family unit that's larger and more powerful um and that was not right. really based on love or the relationship it was very much a financial decision um right. you know and before society is <laughs> really like took on a very legal significance marriage and you know you could just like go have a party with friends and say, Hey, we're married now. (laughs) You know, like it it, it looks (laughs) so different. You know, we didn't always use wedding rings or, um, big ceremonies. Like we have a very Mm -hmm. weird wedding culture in the United States where people spend thousands and thousands of dollars for a ceremony when you could just like go put on a dress, go to a mountain, have your spouse there. And then someone to just say and now you're married you know <laughs> it's it looks so different um and so something that I was looking into in like the bible um Christine Wolgar who I mentioned in the last podcast she has a blog and she went through she's going through the 14 articles of the Nashville statement which was 2017 mm-hmm. a bunch of conservative evangelical pastors basically put together their stance on marriage and sexuality. Um, And it's Mm. not great. Um, But she, (laughs) she wrote an article talking about the like meaning of marriage because the national statements first article Mm. is on, this is what marriage is. And it basically says that like, it's lifelong procreative monogamous heterosexual ordained covenant. Um, And she, she starts breaking down those ideas and being like, okay, Genesis is an origin story, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is saying that God has imbued marriage with a special purpose or sacred significance Mm -hmm. necessarily, um, because Mm -hmm. there were a lot of other religious origin stories created at the time, basically talking about the relationship between the divine and humans. And a lot of them said like, basically that humans were a nuisance to gods and the gods didn't want humans to have kids anymore. And so like the idea of Genesis being an origin story that says, no, humanity is good and life is good. And God wants us to love each other and 
fill the earth with people as a good thing to combat those other um, origin stories. That's kind of mm-hmm. what she says. And she's like, doesn't necessarily mean that Genesis is imbuing marriage with any sacred significance. Um, yeah. Which I was like, oh, that's very interesting. Um, she also talked about Ephesians mm-hmm. 5 being Paul talking about household codes. He's basically saying that, like, household codes, like all these relationships between husband, husband and wife, parents and children, and master and slave should be more equitable mm-hmm. and loving because of Jesus. And so he's not necessarily mm-hmm. like putting out any sort of um, instructions or, um, yeah, instructions for like what these relationships are to God, but just saying mm-hmm. like, hey, these need to be more equitable. And like something that I learned in college is the idea that um, Paul is Paul is writing a letter responding to what the Ephesians are telling him. And so mm-hmm. it could be that wives, because they were having this newfound freedom in Christ, they were not respecting their husbands and being very obstinate and rude And so he was saying, no, like you do need to respect and submit to your husband, but you both need to submit to each other. Like this is a mutual relationship Mm -hmm. and this is out of balance. And so I need to remind you that we need to be loving to each other in these ways because of Jesus. Yeah. Um, And another thing she mentions is that like Mm -hmm. first Corinthians seven, Paul is talking about marriage and how like, you know, like you should have sexual relationship with each other. There should you know, if you're single, stay single because you can serve God. He's saying things like that. But she points out that there's no mention of Jesus in that passage. And if Paul was trying mm. to imbue marriage with some sort of sacred significance, he probably would have brought up God or Jesus more when talking about proper conduct within marriage. Um, and so I was like, oh, that that is kind of what I've been thinking for a while. Um, (laughs) And she also talks about how a lot of the texts use marriage to describe the relationship between God and his people, um, because Mm -hmm. it was a, it was a a way to communicate to them, like using the idea of marriage, but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, it was also saying like, God is saying these specific things about marriage. It was using it as right. an idea to talk about the relationship between God and his people. Um, and a lot mm. of times the only time that marriage was significant in a sacred way was when like the Hebrew people married people who worshiped other gods, because then it was about religion, not necessarily like, um, the the sacred design of marriage or anything else um and so i guess like where marriage begins and like the like sacred if there is a sacred purpose to marriage i can't really say i just have a lot of thoughts on like i don't think it's i don't think it's quite what we've made it out to be because um, I think we should be making our theology of marriage based on our theology of sex, because if we understand mm-hmm. like how God sees sex, then that's going to really inform how we understand marriage and committed relationships. Um, whereas I think yeah. we've done the other other way around, where we've made this big theology of marriage and filling it with all this sacred purpose and meaning that is not necessarily there, but could be there. Like marriages can definitely be very beautiful and sacred and um, holy. And God can very much be at the center of those relationships. But you can say that about a lot of other Mm -hmm. relationships too. Like you can have sacred friendships, I think. Um, And so I say that's just like, we can have sacred relationships, not necessarily just sacred marriages. Um, Mm -hmm. And at least within like, the Bible, the biggest thing that distinguishes marriages from other relationships is sex. And so if we are 
basing our relationships off of our understanding of sex, then that's going to be, I think, a, a better way to approach it. So, I mean, I'd say like God despises broken promises. Um, and he also calls a lot of people righteous, even when they've acted outside of the sexual norms of the time. You think of like mm. Bathsheba and Ruth um, and like a lot of like Mary Magdalene, I guess. Um, there's a lot of characters in the Bible who are considered righteous, even though they're doing kind of awful things um, and not just sexually, <laughs> but, you know, lying or murdering, you know, and like God still calls mm-hmm. them righteous. Um, so <clears throat> where the permission to have sex begins, I mean, I would say if we were talking about like a theology of sex, then I would say like God is a God of Eros, which is this passion and creativity and not, not just sexual, but this kind of beautiful, fiery energy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would say sex involves a lot of mutuality and trust and joy and um, with trust, I would say there is loyalty. And so if we are defining marriage based off of that, then, I mean, my personal understanding of it at this point in my life is I cannot necessarily say when people are quote unquote married. I think that is mm-hmm. a, um, I think that does have to do a lot with the shape of the relationship and yeah. the health of the relationship and the depth of the relationship. So like, I can't Mm -hmm. speak for you, Paige, but it seems like you have a very strong, healthy relationship that, you know, lives off of trust and mutuality. And so like, I mean, I could maybe consider you and your boyfriend married. Um, Haven't had like a legal ceremony. Yeah, like you you just haven't had a legal (laughs) ceremony yet. Um, for a lot of Christians, it's going to be really scary to hear because it's not a hard and fast rule. Um, Mm -hmm. and there is part of me that says like, that does think like the, the rule of no sex outside of marriage is sometimes a good thing for people who are not very emotionally mature because Mm. you don't have to think about it too hard. You know, like you can just say, okay, this is the boundary that I'm setting for myself. And you know, like once we are, we have had a ceremony and um, can say to everyone that we are married and it's legally recognized and like our parents see it, mm-hmm. then, okay, cool. I can, I can like deal with that. So yeah, the boundary of, of not having sex marriage, I think is good. But I think as we've seen with the effects of purity culture, sticking with just that and not actually giving people an understanding of sexuality and what it means within relationships. Um, Cause I feel like we don't have a very fleshed out theology of sex. It's basically limited to it's good within marriage. And that's, that's all you need to know before marriage. And I, I think if, if we understand sex as mm-hmm. intimacy, which is relationship and not an object that we're seeking after then that completely changes how we approach sex because it is, you know, like what happens in sex Mm -hmm. is a reflection of the relationship, whether it's shallow, whether it's deep, whether there's trust, whether there's not trust, whether you feel comfortable in your body and with your person and expressing yourself, like all of that's going to come out when you're intimate with someone. Um, And I think because it is this way of communicating. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought there. Um, because it is this way of communicating, mm-hmm. it can be very, very powerful. And because it's so powerful, I think Christians have tried to wrestle it into submission so that way it doesn't hurt people um and I think 
dirty culture has shown us yeah. that there are good ways and really terrible ways of going about doing that. Because I think, you know, like we got, we have to have the tools to understand sex and to be able to do it well. And I'm not saying that I'm like one who can <laughs> it's okay, me neither. say I've like mastered it or anything. Like I'm very much yeah. learning and unlearning a lot of things. And um, yeah. uh, if we think about sex as communication, a form of communication and intimacy rather than an achievement or a um, object to go after or to give away or to receive, then that will very much affect how we um, understand. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, obviously, with the um, with the point that you made that like, and with what I countered with as well, but like the, using Alex and I's relationship as an example, we've been together for six years. The biggest thing with, obviously, with the start of our relationship and when we did start to become intimate, my biggest quarrel with it at the time, because I was still very much a part of the Christian church and very much still embedded in purity culture. And, you know, it was constantly thinking like, oh, like I'm crossing a boundary. This is my boundary. Like I kind of fell into that not quite emotionally mature enough, Mm -hmm. like, realm to understand that like, oh no, I can, I understand now looking back, like, no, you can make that choice as long as it's, as long as you trust him, as long as you guys are in communication, like as long as you have that rapport, you know, what's happening, you know, that you're committed, like it's fine. But yeah, at the time it was a very conflicted thing because I did know all of those things, like deep down in my core, I trusted him. I knew he was my person. Like there was no real issue there, but there was the block of, but no, I'm not supposed to like, we don't, we haven't done, we haven't done the ceremony. I haven't worn the dress. We didn't do the, the, um, the vows. Like we haven't said any of that stuff. So like nothing's guaranteed. So I don't know. And I think that's the, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is that, like I said earlier, for, to me, if you are in a relationship and it's committed, like, like you said, with you and Christian, you guys kind of knew early on that you were committed to each other. You just know, um, that that is your person and you're choosing that to be your person. Like you, you know, you make it work, you make it happen. And from there, it's just a matter of continuing to choose to commit and continuing to say every morning when you wake up next to your person that like, you're still my person today and we're going to make it happen today. Like that's, that's kind of what my philosophy of marriage is. Cause I think it's true within marriage as well. You know, I've seen plenty of my friends who are, and even within my family as well, people who are married, like legally married and have signed their piece of paper and have done the ceremony, have the rings, you know, wake up one day and say, I don't want to be married anymore. Like, I don't want to be with this person anymore. And that was a choice in the same way that if Alex and I, who are not yeah. legally married, don't have the rings, didn't do the ceremony. If one of us wakes up one day and says, I don't want to be with you anymore. I don't choose you today. Like that's, it's the same. It's a choice. And that's, that's yeah. become my understanding. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, you can, you can end a relationship any time, no matter if you have signed papers saying that you're, you know, joining forces financially and living together, like you can, mm-hmm. it is possible to still end a relationship at any point. And I like to think of relationships as plants because you have to nurture them constantly. Yes. You can't ignore them because they will die. And like, I've, I've, I've switched over from like, I don't know, a, um, mm. you press a button and everything is good like you've achieved something to um like my personal growth and my Mm. relationships they are like plants they have to be nurtured they have to be developed you have to take care of them over time and so if you don't take (laughs) care of them then yes they will die (laughs) yeah you will not be good you will not be in a good place and yeah we have to think about like any sort of relational concepts and action that we do as a 
nurturing of the relationship. And if we think about sex that way too, then like, you know, I feel like we, we are told by society and by the church that, you know, you, you get into marriage and everything will be sunshines and rainbow and like, you will know exactly what to do and you're going to, you know, it's not going to be awkward. Like, it'll be great. Or you have like a hypersexualized culture message mm-hmm. of like, it's going to be hot and passionate all the time and it's going to be great and super pleasurable. And yeah. like, it is a learned skill. You have to learn how to communicate in a relationship as a learned skill, know yourself as a learned skill. Like, I think that's just a good rule in general is to think about any sort of relationship or a personal growth thing as a plant. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Everything is a plant. You have to water it. You have to yeah. put it in the right amount of sunlight. You have to make sure it has its happy soil. Like exactly. Yeah. Because I like the fact, I like the fact that you used a plant too, because every plant is different and requires different nurturing and uh-huh you have to figure out for your plant, like, okay, what type of, how, what type of water do you need? How much water do you need? Like when you see it wilting, you're like, okay, you need more water. You need more sunlight. Like it's just, you, you learn how to take care of. And also every, if you're, if we're going to continue with this metaphor, every relationship (laughs) plant is going to look different and will require different things. And so we can't, you know, there, there is no cookie cutter marriage because every relationship has different components to it. Every person has a different history and, you know, things that they care about, different values. So like it it will always be different, you know, like you can't expect any relationship to look the same. And so if we can, you know, learn how to communicate and how to love each other well. And I think the Bible is a great resource for that because fruits of the spirit are a great way, you know, and even the word fruit, you know, you, you, you see, the produce of your plant, mm-hmm. you know, the fruits of the spirit are a great way to know if your relationship is good and if you're doing well. Yeah. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Um, I will never forget those, even though I'm not in the church anymore, even though I'm not like super into the religion anymore. Like I will never forget the fruits of the spirit. Cause they were, there was a song that we sang in Sunday school. It's just absolutely embedded, embedded in my brain, <laughs> but I do think like there are, and I'll say this like to anyone, I'm not a basher of Christianity. I'm not a basher of the Bible. I don't think, I don't think that it is the end all be all. I think there are other ways to learn how to love people. Um, I think there are other resources that can help as well, but I will say like things like that, like the fruit of the spirit, like things you should try to embody to not be an asshole. Like that's what those are. The fruits of the spirit is a big, (laughs) is a good place to start. Um, because (laughs) that's my favorite way to think of it. It's just like, look, just God's just saying, don't be an asshole and try to make the world a better place than you found, than you found it. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Um, so, but yes, I, I do agree that, um, those, those, those nine fruits of the spirit, um, those nine traits, those nine values, um, are beautiful ways to learn like how to improve those things within yourself and then improve them in your relationships. Um, so really Mm -hmm. like found, it's a really cool foundation, I think. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> one more thing before we get off the topic or before we wrap up, um, when you were talking about how, um, how like so many people think that once you've done the ceremony and then the bride and groom, like walk away, then, then it's like, okay, we can have sex now, but we have to wait until like later <laughs> or something like that. I've seen, I don't know why, but I've seen so many like TikToks and Instagram reels that I scroll through recently that is of a couple that's just finished up their ceremony and they're mic'd up. Like they have mics on them for their wedding videos or whatever. And they're walking and they've walked down the aisle and the, the, immediately the first thing one of them says is, okay, let's go have sex. Like, like, oh my right, gosh. like right then and there, like, they're like, okay, let's go. Like, we did it. Let's go do it right now. I and I'm like, that. wow. <laughs> that so much don't get married just to have sex people 
don't right? like that's a bad reason to get married yeah but honestly like that's a joke Alex and I have all the time whenever we see like if we see someone that we know or someone that we knew like from way back in the day or whatever if we've seen that they've been like with someone for a very short amount of time or anything like that and we see that they're engaged we're both like oh they're probably just doing it so they can have sex like <laughs> like it's it's it a is, joke but we there, yeah. there is truth to it I think too though yeah I mean when within Christianity you've been told that you if you have sex outside of marriage then you're like gonna go to hell or a big sinner who can't be redeemed yeah like it's it's a good strong reason to get married (laughs) earlier than you should but I I think it's a very bad reason yeah because then again you're treating sex as an object that you want to get rather than part of your relationship and that just feels icky to me yeah no I completely agree and there is um there's really no reason to um yeah there's no reason to think that the marriage like we've said this whole time like there's no reason to think the marriage like the the ceremony the papers is going to equal good sex like there, yeah. there's it's and it makes me sad that we have been or that people have been so conditioned to think that that it's going to be mm-hmm. beautiful and wonderful and hot and sexy all the time once you once you've gotten yeah your, no because that's not <laughs> that's not how it works <laughs> it's not how it works it's going to be awkward we're going to have days where it's just weird and it's sticky and weird and you just are not sure of what to do it's going to happen <laughs> yep oh man well Talbot thank you so much for coming on again and sharing your heart and um and I I just love that you are so dedicated to the conversation like so dedicated to this specific conversation um because I feel like it's really important and it needs to be something that is brought to society that uh, especially a society that has grown up in a Christian sphere um, because it yeah we just need to talk about it more we need people to know that yeah sex and marriage are not as cookie cutter as we were previously taught there's a lot more nuance to it there's yeah. a lot more individuality to it and um And it can be a really, really beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be restrictive. It doesn't have to be um, policed the way that we formally thought. So I appreciate you very, very much. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Paige.